Greetings from the Long Island Sound podcast. Welcome to the show. Please rate, review, and comment on the show. And call our listener line and leave a message for our guests. Dial 631-800-3579. All right, enjoy the show. Welcome to the Long Island Sound Podcast, where we explore the muse and music from the North Shore to the South Shore, from New York City to the Hamptons, on the island of Long here in New York. I'm Steve Yusko from GigDestiny.com. Stay tuned as we explore the Long Island Sound. In this episode of the Long Island Sound, we meet Eric McCormick. Eric is a great guy, a great vocalist, an interesting background. You're going to hear about some uh, Broadway influences. You're also going to hear an original song or two. And he does really great looping uh, and segues between songs. And we're going to hear a song uh, that he uh, put together uh, towards the end of the podcast. So stick with us and enjoy. Hi, this is Steve Yusko from Gig Destiny, and this is the Long Island Sound Podcast. I'm really excited about the guest I have uh, today. My wife, Debbie, and I discovered Eric McCormack on a Sunday afternoon at a restaurant a few years ago called The View in Oakdale, and we immediately knew he was not your typical guitar player. Eric McCormack hails from Corum and East Setauket, and in his spare time, You'll find him playing restaurants and pubs from Stony Brook to Port Jefferson, from Bayshore to Oakdale and Sayville. His unique vocal style, along with his layering of beats and harmonic vocals, while accompanying himself on guitar, could trick one's ear into believing that they're listening to an ensemble of artists. His harmonies are matched by his ability to segue from song to song without skipping a beat. Venue owners appreciate Eric's humble and joyful style as he performs and shifts the mood with the clientele. As a polished vocalist, Eric interprets our favorite songs to make them uniquely his own. Truly, watching Eric perform, one soon realizes that he loves what he does. Welcome, Eric McCormick. How are you doing, Eric? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. And thank you for sending the check. And uh, you wrote a beautiful bio about yourself. So it's it really yes, nice. yes. I thought I was a bit more <laughs> modest than we expected. <laughs> Just the fact that I got it right that it was your wife that was impressive. That was incredible, uh, right? Yeah, yeah. It's it's hard to believe that somebody actually did marry me, but uh, <laughs> you know it. You know, things happen. You know, yeah. and, you know. It, we're we're married thirty years, and uh, awesome. we just realized it's uh, it's too costly to get divorced, so we just stick up, stick with each other. You can't quit the team, you know. <laughs> no, stick stick with the devil, you know. You'd rather work with the devil, you know, versus the devil you don't know. Yeah, and not to disparage those who had to quit the team, because sometimes there's a very good reason. Anyway, sure. we'll jump right in into it. Um, let's really kind of talk uh, about you know where where did this. Uh, bug to uh become an entertainer and and music really start as a young as a young child and don't start from birth you know just a little bit later would be great (laughs) yeah well i always enjoyed making making people laugh and stuff like that and i i always Mm -hmm. had a uh, affinity for music 
Uh, I liked parodies when I was a kid listening to Christmas carols. I changed, uh, I changed lyrics and stuff and made my parents laugh when I was a kid. And then uh, I started going to see local theater shows because my sister uh, is a piano player and will play the music for them. And uh, I realized that they're having a lot of fun and they're getting applause at the end of it. And that is pretty fantastic. So, so I the want early, that. The early positive influence. Uh, that's great. So sure. were mom, mom and dad musical as well? Uh, my mother has a uh, a very, very good voice, which comes out when she doesn't think anybody can hear her. You know, when she's just singing to herself, fantastic voice, great tone, great everything. And my dad is a trumpet player. Wow. Yeah. Uh, and does dad still play the trumpet or? Uh, we got him one a couple of years back. He noodled around on it for a little bit. And then it's just been a great paperweight, you know, for a while. <laughs> yeah. So, so uh, as my wife always asks me, you know, hey, Steve, what'd you do with the singing lesson, the money for the singing lessons uh, oh. <laughs> for me? But but did, did you, you know, were you, were you were you trained as a singer? Like, did, did it come naturally to you? I mean, had, how did you uh, develop the instrument sure. of your vocals? Sure. So, I mean, I, I'm from the school. As long as you have pitch, as long as you understand when you're in tune and out of tune, you can be worked with. There's something there. You can you can develop technique and some people just have a little bit more you know like a little bit more natural ability mm -hmm. um you know you'll see a four-year-old that can belt like celine dion there's no real training that went into that she didn't study her whole life to get that good you know right. so i was very lucky and had a lot of natural ability and then i honed in my craft with some lessons once i started doing theater and that started to pick up a little bit gotcha and then you know it's interesting is a lot of people think it's just voice training but it's really training your ear uh, to hear uh, where you should be as far as pitch goes, I would assume. Sure. Well, yeah. I mean, if if you could have the most beautiful tone to your voice, but if you can't match a pitch, that's like playing. That's like having all the technique in the world and playing a completely out of tune guitar. You I know. know. <laughs> I I tell you, my my mom, God rest her soul, was horrible when it came to. Uh, she would sing in every key uh, in church. <laughs> and, uh, and you know, I was a little kid looking up from the pew. He just like wonders like, wow, was, is that going to be passed down to me? <laughs> and in some case, I think it was with yeah, me. Yeah, I'm but, curious. Uh, what do you think? Yeah. Have you heard yourself sing? Right, so I'll tell you a quick story. So uh, I had a, a friend, one of the first times I sang in public was for a priest friend of mine, Father Seth, who was mm. uh, celebrating 25 years, great guy. And I, I sang um, Forever Young. And uh, I was upstairs in, in this room. And my wife, Debbie, who is, uh, let, me, well, let me back up. A spouse will tell you the things you need to hear, not always what you want to hear. I love that. That's beautiful, and, man. And Debbie said, you're not Neil Young. You're not Bob Dylan. You're not singing. Is that the right key? You know, I was like, yeah. and, you know what it is? And uh, the mistake I made is is trying to emulate singers and until i was in the little church band where they said hey you know what steve your your range is really from you know d to e flat you know and, <laughs> and stick with that you know and, <laughs> yeah and, that and sounds that like a different... that's a half step jump <laughs> i've got yeah two... well yeah <laughs> that's, that's pretty impressive <laughs> yeah i can sing in three three note range yeah. which is, is is uh which is great you know yeah. but no uh, hot so cross I, I find... buns <laughs> so i finally yeah. enjoy I adjusted to that, and and that that seemed to work, and uh, uh, yeah, it, it led to other things, which was nice. But getting out in front of people, it's like 
it's like you know you can't play tennis against the wall you have to be out there with other people and that's that's where you learn so one of the Absolutely. surprises I'm tell I'm going to tell a story about you so um I remember sure. you with a, a trio at JT's cafe JT's on the bay it was uh what was okay. the name of the you, you played with a couple guys there and uh you took I a do break. I played I played in a band called uh I still play in a band and this is a, another iteration of a band that I that you will talk about later that original song that I'm going to play is from that original band now these are three guys that were all in that band including myself uh this one is called Fez not like Fez, the hat and right. it's it's not so clever it's just our initials Frankie Eric and Steve but <laughs> yeah everybody Again, thinks it's so, FEZ. Yeah no you're so creative so so you uh, you yeah. went and grabbed you <laughs> You went and grabbed a beer, and and uh, one of the guys said, "Oh, did you know, Eric tell you that he was a, a child star on Broadway?" And I'm like, "Get oh, the hell out of here!" Not not that I would think that would not be ever possible, but <laughs> and, and and sure enough, looked up on the internet, and there's your little mug at 17. So, <laughs> so so tell tell us about your your five minutes or 15 minutes of fame on Broadway. I think people would find it interesting. This, sure. this kid, this kid from Setauket. You got it. So this local theater kid that, that I was talking about, I started auditioning for shows because my sister was involved in a little local group. Um, from that first show, I met a little kid who had a little local manager. But that local manager, for an extra 15% on whatever money you made, would uh, of course. Send, of course, send you in to real auditions. So that local manager sent me into the city for uh, about three months maybe before I booked something. And I booked, okay. which is kind of fast considering I had like no credits or anything or no experience. Um, but, but I booked an off-Broadway show and from there I met a better manager. Um, just and how, 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 give me a reference. How old were you at this? Time? Uh, that this was point. eighth grade. I was, I okay. was in eighth grade at that point. So, so you're 25. So yeah, it was my third go around in eighth grade. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Just damn ABDs. I just can't get them right. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so yeah, so that happened. I met a better agent. Then I got to do a tour when I was a kid for a while, and uh, that was cool. And uh, I met an even better agent, got a phone call, and this is funny. After going to party, now I'm – we're fast-forwarding now. I'm about okay. 17 years old. I was a uh, senior in high school, typical senior in high school. Uh, not not exactly the best student in the world, not exactly always there, but um, I was good. We went to go visit a buddy of mine's brother – up in college and partied like rock stars the whole weekend. Of and that yeah, and I got a call from my from my parents saying we have a tape from your agent uh for a song. You have an audition on Monday, so you better wow. get home and, and practice this. I said, oh, yeah, 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 I'll get to it. I'll get to it. Sunday <laughs> night I'm home, I'm tired, I'm whatever, typical kid. I listen to the tape and I go, Oh, that song's not bad. That's kinda cool and, and it's really not hard. You know, it's like right in my wheelhouse. It makes sense. Every part of it makes sense. So I don't learn weird Paul Simon melodies. You know what I mean? Where the uh -huh, phrasing uh -huh. is insane. It was very straightforward, very easy. Thank God. Went and auditioned, and uh, they told me it wasn't a pop song. And usually that would be the end of the thing. That's more notes than you normally get at an audition. Right. Thank you very much. And let yeah, the, the that's, door thank hit you, you very in much. the ass. Right. That would be that. Don't let it you, uh, don't let the door hit you. Is like a bonus. But they told me it's not a pop song. I said, okay, that's fantastic. Uh, have a good day. And they said, no, wait, come back tomorrow and sing it for the director. And I said, oh, uh, all right, I'll, I'll come back. And they said, it's not a pop song. I said, okay. So I show up the next day, and the director's like, hey, how's it going? You know, I actually played this part. Um, go ahead and sing the song. Great. 
And I finished the song. He goes, hey, cool, cool. Um, it, it's not a pop song, you know? <laughs> and I said, in my head, I'm just going, okay, sure, sure, sure. Like, uh, like the definition mean? of insanity. Yeah, just. So he goes, come back tomorrow and sing it for the musical director. Go to the theater uh, where, where you can go see the matinee. And I was like, well, that's crazy. And I, I get in the car that night. And uh, my dad's like, that, they're calling you back again tomorrow and they want you to go to the theater? That's nuts. That's not normal. And I'm like, let's right. not get all crazy about it, which is sure. like the first thing you learn is to not get excited until it's there and tangible. Low expectations. Yeah. I told right. Debbie, I, yeah. Right. Right. So, and also don't tell anybody what you're doing until you do it because right. then you have everybody you told going, how'd it go? How'd it go? How'd it go? Right. Salt right. and wound, salt and wound, salt and wound. Exactly. <laughs> so I, uh, I sang for the musical director and he goes, hey, it's not a pop song, and and you're scooping all the notes in this one part. And I was like, "What do you well, mean scooping? Oh, what do, you, what do you mean scooping? Like whoa? Okay. Like well, well, it would yeah. the way it, the, it's. I'll give you a little taste. Uh, Please, this one, this one, first taste is free. No, it's uh, sorry, <laughs> but it's the song goes, "Mama, hey mama, come looking for me here at Doom, 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 Doom." It's not. Mama, hey, there is a oh, world I... of difference. And that little hey was like, stop. You're oh, not interesting. Yeah. So that. So anyway, long story short, I sat in the audience. They let me see the show. And right before it started, the casting director was like, hey, you got the part. We're going to go call your agent. So I wow. had to sit and watch a show I was about to be in. Oh, that is. That, yep. that's and one great... week later, I made my debut. Nice. So mom and mom and dad are driving in. You're taking the train in. You know, I was you commuting. Like... I was uh, oh, wow. 17. I was getting dropped off by my mom. I don't think because I'm I'm an August birthday, so I I don't think I had my license yet. Gotcha. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So they they are on Broadway um, opening night jitters. I mean, this is, G- this is did I, I mean you've been a big stage, right? Have we talked about this yet? This no, is, I, no. I don't want to, This is going to be a whole thing. I, I'm watching the clock this time, so I don't ramble no, no for worries. 13 no minutes. No worries. It's all good. So, so uh, my Broadway debut is probably the funniest thing you'll ever hear. And I had friends in the audience that had no idea that this happened. Okay. And they were, they were up close. So uh, it was a very small theater. And a lot of times in small theaters, the pit orchestra is behind them. And they use a series of monitors so you could see instead of the conductor up front. So you can get sure. the cues stuff. So the audience doesn't really see it, but there's monitors there. If you turn around, you can kind of look and see. I did all these put-in rehearsals. I had a one week of put-in rehearsals. Not a huge part, but that's pretty standard. Uh, where they, you know, the last day, during the day, I worked with the cast, and, uh, and I was doing my put-in rehearsal, and they go, okay, so what's going to happen here is the light's going to go fade to black. I knew that was going to happen. It's going to be a spotlight <laughs> on your face. Knew that was going to happen. It's going to slowly bleed out. Never actually had it. And then it's going to go to black. And then you just look to your right, and there'll be a guy shining a flashlight on the on the ground so you could see where you're walking. Okay. And I okay. said, okay, right. no problem. No problem. I'd make my Broadway debut. I sing my song, which closes the first act. Okay. So the, the, everything is black in the theater. What you don't think about because you're a stupid child is that you're staring directly into a bright white light. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so as it goes down, and, I, you know, my character – uh, passes away spoiler alert um okay yeah so the lights all go down and i don't see one light flashing on the ground all i see are lights everywhere <laughs> everywhere so i get up and 
They have infrared cameras in the back. I think that's sure. or, you know so so they can yeah, see it's when it's black. Little... Right. Right. So um so they're all watching me because the cast is really proud because I was the youngest guy by about ten years in this cast. So they were all okay. just like yeah, um, and I. <laughs> I just got up and I did my best to feel my way around and I tried walking and I fell off the, the front of the stage and landed on a guy. <laughs> Broadway debut. And I said my first, my, my line was, what I said to the gentleman, and I'll remember it vividly, was, oh shit. And I hopped back on stage and, and ran off and everybody said, now you have a great story to tell Leno. So you're my uh, Leno right now. Oh, uh, thanks. Hey, thank you very much. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's great. So that, that was what, 1776? Mm-hmm. And then, uh, and then you did a second Broadway show. Yes, from uh, there, the, the same cast, the same uh, casting director, and the same director, who just saw some. It was cool. The most, you know, if, if they see something in you, they'll work with you a little bit. That's why he kept saying, you know, stop scooping, stop doing this. Let's figure out. And he really, we just got along. This director was very cool. His name is Scott Ellis. He's he's gone on to do some really cool stuff. But nice. yeah, with without auditioning, I got. I got offered to be in Tom Sawyer, which was pretty amazing. Wow. Uh, yes, sir. That's my claim to fame. Nice. Yes. Yeah. I didn't have to audition for that. Yeah. So you've got you've got these two shows under your belt. How sure. did you screw how did you screw it up, Eric? Well, that's a great question, Steve. <laughs> the entire time I'm performing other people's material and dancing around and entertaining, I'm starting to go. I'm building a, a backlog, a back catalog of all this rock music and stuff and hearing all these different voices that are not as trained but sing from what I affectionately like to call their balls, you mm -hmm. know, and I'm hearing voices like Eddie Vedder and all these things being like, wow, like I've never heard a Broadway guys like hit that tone where you're every, you know what I mean? Just, just pure. Yeah, every part of you is into the song. Yes. Yeah. And, and he's just feeling it from it. And so I was like, I started playing guitar with my friends, and I always wanted to be normal to my friends, you know, even though I was like the kid, like I never was a theater kid. I always, right. like, I always wanted to be cool and, and you know, and, and hang out. So I would hang out with the kids that strum guitars and stuff like that, and I'd always be this, this singer guy and try and strum and avoid the F bar chord as much as I could. And uh, <laughs> Now, you mentioned, you mentioned yeah. the other day the guy you met at, at one of the shows – uh, who was a good influence where you, you kept, I think you were like, oh, let me borrow your guitar. And oh, so, yeah, that so was certainly Tom Sawyer. Yeah, that's, this is my, that's funny. Um, that that was Don Schlitz. He wrote the music for it. Now, Don Schlitz, if you don't know, is the guy who wrote The Gambler for Kenny Rogers and is wow. in the Country Music Hall of Fame. Wow, and, and uh, just, re just recently, right, this past year, I think? I think it was two years ago because we yeah, were in Nashville yeah. the year that he went in. Oh, but, wow. Uh, yeah, we happened to just be there. He lives in Nashville, but we went to just go hang out and stuff, and it was cool to, like, give him a call. And But this guy and I bonded because we were we both felt like outsiders in this Broadway community. You know, we, uh -huh. both, were, you know, we both were just there to do a job. We, and uh, so we bonded together, and we would play songs. And, and he was so cool. During every five-minute equity break, which you get every hour, you get a five-minute break mm -hmm. um, or heads roll. <laughs> um, they, I would ask to play his guitar, and he had this Gibson that was I I can't even imagine how much this sucker cost. But and he, he hands had no it over problem to a kid. Oh, yeah, nice. and and he brought in a dulcimer, um, not a oh, hammer sure. dulcimer. So he brought in a dulcimer in that, and he's like, yeah, it's basically like a guitar. It's the first American guitar you, because they didn't really have Spanish guitars at that time. Like it was mm -hmm. that was the closest thing we had historically accurate. Um, so 
I actually got paid more money because I had to join the musicians union in Tom Sawyer to play the dulcimer on stage. They ended up incorporating me playing the dulcimer in the show. Really? Yeah. Wow. That, yeah. That's amazing. So, you know, what's yeah. going through my mind, and I'm trying to think uh, as people are listening to this, you know, when you see child actors or, uh, you know, the theater kids, you think you think about the, the helicopter uh, Nazi uh, stage mom. <laughs> and uh, well, To cut and, you and, off, her name is Ingeborg Kultbach. So, <laughs> so I so, can understand why you might make that mistake. Yeah, but but you you had mentioned that yeah you were you were a different kind of theater kid that you really didn't didn't have that oppressive um, parent trying to live through your talent you not, know which not at all they were they were just as happy to be there they the um, the genuine and it's something that that I can sniff out a mile away when when I see it in other people but the mm-hmm. aw shucks a genuine aw shucks mentality and uh, right and personality a genuine one is really. Nice, and you like that guy, and you want to work with that guy, and you help that guy. And that's that's I, I, I've really benefited from having parents that were aw shucks parents, because oh, we nice. all just they supported me. They got me to the train station when I needed to go. They picked me up at two a.m. from a because I would miss the eleven fourteen by two minutes. Of course, right? Every time, and then I'd have to sit in Penn Station until twelve fourteen. But uh, uh, yeah, that, so I didn't have helicopter parents. That's that, that's great. It's it's no. really nice. It's it's nice when they can really be your safety net and and kind of support you through that. So we're They're gonna amazing. take a we're gonna take a short break um, in a moment. But when we come back, I really want to talk about uh, the influences and and how you really moved from this young theater kid to um, being uh, the entertainer that you are today. So uh, we'll we'll do that, and everybody just hang with us. We'll be right back. Hi, Steve Yusko from Gig Destiny here. Well, as you're probably listening to this podcast, you're probably thinking about that musician who would make a fantastic guest here on the Long Island Sound. Well, we'd like to hear their story. We'd like to hear their music. So have them reach out to us at gigdestiny.com and we'll explore their craft. Now, back to our podcast. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Steve Yusko with GigDestiny.com, and you're listening to the Long Island Sound podcast. And we're here with Eric McCormick. And Eric, I wanted to kind of jump into how you moved from being a kid who was in two Broadway shows, you know, yeah. like a little Cinderella story. Very much. And, and, and then you switched to something else. And uh, so let's talk about, let's talk about, where your head was at at that time and, and, and the path you took and uh, you sure. know, some questions as, as far as who influenced you. So Sure. So I did, I was always wanted to, uh, I really, really respected all the guys in my high school that were playing guitar and strumming and, and uh, they introduced me to the, all this stuff that wasn't musical theater, you know, the Beatles and, and all that stuff. I was so late to the party with all that. Um, and so basically uh, I, started to be like, I love performing, I love entertaining, but I really like creating. I started to realize that I'm not the greatest guitarist in the world, but my brain can kind of write. I can write. I understand I understand chord progressions, even though I, I had just what my ear, what made sense. It was kind of cool to not have too much music theory in right. a way because you kind of don't have any rules. You kind of paint yourself into a corner, you know? Mm-hmm. Like uh, I believe Yesterday by Paul McCartney doesn't technically make sense 
or some that's been a statement by a couple of people musically you know like the chord structure shouldn't flow like that and somebody explained to me once a lot more uh <laughs> uh, right you can you can figure out the the mathematics and geometry of the puzzle or you can look at the puzzle and say well this is how it fits together yeah this is just uh, cool oh it just fits so right. i started writing and you know and working with don and the amount of stress it is when there's a new show 1776 for people for people just uh don sure. schultz right uh right. schlitz schlitz yeah yeah so it's like the beer like the beer right uh, okay. so basically what what i'm saying is uh i, I I had a really amazing experience with 1776 where I was basically like the little mascot. And these guys brought me around to all the parties. And I literally got to hang out with these like famous actors and, and just – and everybody was just cool to me. I just went to – I was just like their little buddy. I was everybody's little brother in the show. It was 28 guys and everybody treated me great. Did nice. Did Tom Sawyer with a bunch of people that had no real experience. I was one of the more experienced guys having won. And uh, <laughs> there was – so much like turmoil and and so much literal artistic uh, differences and creative differences that we were being pulled and pushed in every single direction, and it was a nightmare. And I was sitting backstage with my guitar or Don's guitar or the dulcimer, and all I wanted to do was be my own boss in that way. And I still wanted to perform, but man, there's nothing better than performing your own material. Right, right. And it, what's interesting is, is you know, I've I've seen. Uh, I've been in a very collaborative group that w was painstaking until everybody found their uh, their place, you know, and their influence, and, and we got to understand, and it was really beautiful, you know, collaborative effort. And I've been in the same group where it was painful. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I could see where you the pain is it ain't just worth it anymore, you know. Uh, particularly if you're creative, you, you want to... Especially what at seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, you know. I was twenty with Tom Sawyer, 20, but yeah, yeah, yeah. So you want to drive, you want to drive the boat, you know. At that point, you know. So sure. So you so you moved into band type stuff, you know, or or like well, in, in between seventeen seventy six and Tom Sawyer, I started writing music with a friend of mine, and we started a band together. That was wow. True Forty Seven, which is the one you'll be playing later, which is a song. That was the brilliant title that we had for it, and you'll get to hear my the seventeen seventeen year old version of my voice in there. Who's I was wow. a late bloomer, but uh, yeah, that was that was it, and that made a lot of sense. And we were really picking up steam, and it was it just so organic, and we all came from different schools. So our fan base, we had six guys in the band. Our fan base was six times bigger than your average high school band because we had first of all we were good, and second of all. Everybody was the cool guy, you know, the cool new dude. We, right, had, right. we had five versions of it, you know, oh, so it was nice. it was really special. So we, we had a lot of momentum. And we our sound man um, was our drummer's father who was on tour with Foghat and Cindy Lauper and did sound his whole life and did mastering. And he figured out, I forget what stadium, but he figured out the uh, the way to make all the sound hit you at the same time at a football stadium. Wow. You know? right, right. <laughs> Yeah, it, it's a, amazing. If you look back, you know, uh, and you look back at the people that were placed in your life, you know, who you came upon. There's no there's no, you know, happenstance, in my opinion. But, you know, you, you meet uh, uh, Schlitz, uh, yeah. a famous yeah. guy. You happen to you happen upon guys. Dad is is connected and, and can, you know, help mentor you through things. And, and that's I mean, that doesn't happen every day. I mean, I'm it, sure you, you appreciate sense. now. Yeah, everything that, that's made cool. sense. 
Now, when we you talk about, a, go ahead. Sorry, I'm coming. Uh, when you were, you, that's okay. Don't let it happen again because I have yes, a mute sir. button yes, on sir. my end. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. um, you, you talk about your 17 year old voice. Yeah. Okay, uh, this is way beyond when your voice changes in puberty, right? Or did you have a different range when you were 17? Kind of explain that to, uh, well, to me. Well, a lot of people joke about how a boy's, you know, when a boy is becoming a man and going through the changes, and uh, a lot of people, their voices start cracking, and, and it's a noticeable right. change. My voice just progressively, and it seems to keep doing it, just gets a little lower and lower and lower. I was on tour doing The Sound of Music when I was... Uh, 13, 14, and I was the the little guy was, I leave and he was, I and say goodbye. <laughs> you know that that little guy? And I all of a sudden one night couldn't, couldn't hit the note. It would start like doing this. Crack. And then, uh oh. And I call my, my, my friend at home. I was like, they're going to fire me. I can't do it. All my voices. And Marie Osmond was so cool that she switched the. Uh, wait, wait, parts. who? 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 Uh, she was Maria. That was a name drop. Here, let me get that. Oh, oh, oh uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, just yeah, somebody else who came into your life a little famous. Yeah, she used to, for the longest time, she used to call me on my birthday. Because, you know, as a tour, you're literally, I was, her son, her son played the younger brother in the show. So, okay. her son, Nepotism. Steven. Nepotism. Uh, he was good. He was good. He's okay. still, he still got that Osmond blood. But Stephen <laughs> Stephen was the younger boy, and because Stephen was also that outsider mentality, not your typical theater kid, he and I became like best friends. And obviously, by circumstance, we were just we were always around each other. So we used to have like sleepovers, like normal kids, but kids. in yep. these giant hotel suites that Mar- oh I would God. sleep over. Yeah, all the time. Like if if anybody could say they slept with Maria more than me, I don't know. I, uh, <laughs> <laughs> she, but she was amazing. Uh, that wasn't so, the point of the story. Yeah, switching switching to other influences. Sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Taught me a lot about life. So, um, so a, que- a question for you. Um, uh, so musically, now you've you've had these people in your lives uh, yeah. that that definitely had an influence. But musically, who would who would be maybe that one person that you can nail down and say, yeah, I, I studied him or her, and, and they had a big influence on me. I mean, studied makes it sound like school and I hated school, but I, right. the guy, the guy that I, that just got me and I got, and I felt like I knew him just by listening to the music was Paul McCartney. Paul McCartney. Cause he could yeah. do it all. He could sing yesterday and he could sing, um, uh, like Helter Skelter. And I was down for all of it. I was yeah. down for Maxwell. Silver. I loved his versatility and I wanted to be that guy. Like I was telling you before, like with the showmanship and the Broadway voices, I, I have the training but it's pretty damn cool to be able to scream like Chris Cornell, you know, and do that stuff too. Yeah. Of of the musicians that I've interviewed so far, it's amazing. Um, it's either uh, the Everly Brothers, Elvis, oh, that's a good one. Or, or, the, or the Beatles. And you're a younger guy, uh, younger than me. And, and yet, <laughs> if I recall in our earlier conversation, you kind of had a disconnect with, you know, the Beatles, uh, they're poppy, you know, they're old blah dee, old blah da, and... Yeah. How did how did that change for you? Where now Paul is 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 kind of somebody you really sure you know, look this, em, emulate. So we'll we'll go back to right after I got off my little tour uh, when I left the Sound of Music tour. Um, I was back in high school and I just wanted to be normal. My whole life, I just wanted to be cool and normal and fit in. I think it's every kid's goal in school. I just wanted some, to be normal yeah. and fit in and Someday and not stand happen. out. Right? It'll yeah, I'm someday. still working on there's, it. There's there's hope. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, 
anyway, so yeah, so I was thinking that maybe some Ritalin would probably help. But anyway, <laughs> so I, so I was uh, I was being this kid, and I was hanging out with these guys, and they all started playing guitar and stuff like that. And they, I knew the Who, and they were like, "Oh, that's kind of cool." You know, I don't really know them. The only reason I knew the Who is because Tommy's a Broadway show, and I knew the yeah. cast <laughs> album. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. <laughs> so right. I snuck in the back door of rock and roll, being like, "Well, this is really cool," and I would show them these songs. Like, if you like the Who, man. You're gonna love this, and I was like, the Beatles. Isn't that like, like, uh, like grandpa's grandpa's music? Yeah, uh, you know, Octopus's Garden, Obla Di Obla Da. Isn't it that nonsense? I, I wanna hold your hand. <laughs> Is it like you know what I mean? It's isn't that what? That's what kids that don't know the Beatles or outsiders that don't know the Beatles. That's what they think of when they when they hear the name. So somebody made me a mixtape and said, try this, and the mixtape opened up with Hey Jude, and I was like, oh. Oh, yeah, I get it now. And it, it well, Strawberry Fields was on there, and just it was just a it was just a mind blowing, like revelation. Yeah. <laughs> it, interesting that you say mix mixtape because um, sure. you know pre pre Spotify and inter, internet, uh, you know the kids my age, you know we had cause we moved from eight tracks. I'm dating myself now <laughs> yeah. uh, to uh, cassettes. And I remember my late late friend Jim Esposito. We'd we'd go on, on ski trips or whatever boys' weekend, and he would work to make two or three mixtapes for the five hour ride, the best. and 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 introduce you to stuff. And and it was it was just kind of it was really kind of cool. But uh, we're we're gonna take a break now, and I, we're gonna jump into one of your songs. Um, I forgot which one it is, but if you can just re- refresh my memory. Sure. Are we doing the original? Yeah, of course. Okay, the original one is a song uh, that I that I wrote uh, actually while I was before my first band. So I was probably about 15, 16 years old. You'll notice there's no F bar chord in it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Too tough to yeah. do. Yeah. Yeah. Oh well, boy. I think I might have snuck it in. Actually, I think I think I might have been good by then. But, and it's uh, titled. And it's, it's titled very cleverly. Um, you know, working title, if that, if that could have, if I knew that expression back then, it would have been called working title, but we settled on, get this, a song, a song. (laughs) All right. So when we come back, uh, we'll be listening to the 16 year olds version of a song. Stick with us.
Welcome back. And that was a great song. It was, it was really interesting. Tell me, I'm always curious how, what your pro, if you recall what your process was. How did it come to you? Did you sit down and say, hey, I'm going to write a song? Or was there a muse that struck you? And, and uh, how did you generate sure. um, a song? <laughs> well, at that time, Oasis had hit. And Oasis for, um, how do I put this? Oasis was like accessible to people that could barely play guitar. Like I could play Wonderwall and I could play Don't Look Back in Anger and I could. What the hell I, is Oasis? What's Oasis? Oasis is the, the greatest fish band of all time. <laughs> Oasis, I, I, it, they were the, the really arrogant ones that said, we're better than the Beatles. And then they played oh, one. Yeah, they wrote Wonderwall. They wrote, they were just. They would fist fight on stage. They were just, to me, they were the greatest thing. They were like Brit pop. And they were, I, I just didn't know any better. You know what I mean? They were like my introduction to, to more heavy Okay, stuff. all right, I got you. <laughs> so I, uh, I would listen to their stuff. So I got that, their strum pattern, which you'll learn after an album. It, one album ought to do it. Any album, right. you'll hear that they, the guy pretty much strums the same strum pattern. The drummer plays the same drum pattern. And they, and they just would Just like go. the Ramones. Yeah. Oh, man. Right. So exactly. So that, so I, I figured that out. And then I, I started playing around with a C chord cause uh, obviously it was easy. And sure. I started moving my fingers around. Um, a lot of the times when I'm writing, it's really fun when you accidentally hit something and you go, Whoa, what was that? Turns out it was a passing tone. Now I can tell you what it is. You know, it was, it was just, I'm walking to the next chord. I'm walking down, mm-hmm. but I hit that second chord and Everybody said, because they'd never heard it. We're all brand new playing root chords. And that started something. And then I had a friend that started messing around with these, these like simple, like, I'll be back the same, I'll be, which you'll, it, which is in the song later. And uh, you'll see. It's that. Yeah. So it's so, so it, it, it's, it's the same question all the time. So uh, the music before the lyrics for you or vice versa? <sighs> the most successful ones. With a few exceptions, um, the most successful ones probably all kind of came out like start to finish in a burst of creativity. The most uh, successful, my most successful ones, my if, creativity if can, of creativity of lyric or creativity of of notes. Just, and just you would you would be able to even if you knew that that wasn't the line you were going to use, it would be like a placeholder. And just so you could keep moving because your brain's going so fast and you have all these ideas and you, you go, oh, oh man, I should use this for the bridge or oh, let me do this and this. And, and um, those are some. And then I have the ones that have been festering around forever. Like I, uh, when you start looping and stuff like that, you get rid of the, the music. So you'll just like hum little melodies to yourself and then you mm-hmm. can start, you know, farting around on top of that. And then you start writing lyrics and. That's so do you, every do you, way. Do you do it from memory? Or you, you, do, you, do you pull out your iPhone and start recording, you know, a few bars? Or uh, I bought a Tascam four track when I was a kid. Oh, yeah. yeah, that was my first like venture into looping. Um, mm. And before that, my sister, the uh, the musician, the piano player, used to hook up two tape decks and bounce tracks back and forth, which I thought was pretty brilliant. So we didn't sure. have a real four track, but we would. She just figured out how to layer. Uh, so oh, I was always, great. yeah, I was always interested by that, but yeah. So I, usually I forget who said it. I hope it wasn't Paul McCartney, but, but somebody said if, if the songs, if you don't remember the song, it's not worth remembering or something like that. Somebody, some cool musician that's way cooler than me had a, a much 
cooler version of what I just said. But that's right, the gist right. of it. In other so. words, if it's if it's if it's me meandering around in your mind and something is sticks with you, it's meant it's meant to right. to be worked on. Yeah, like I, I I'm I'm more of a, a lyric guy, uh, poetry type of stuff. So I'll, I'll I'll think most of the time it happens in the car, <laughs> you yeah. know, where I'm Isn't isolated, and uh, a muse will come with me and and I'll just uh, I'll hit record, and I'll just put a phrase out there and and then pack it away and. Uh, I am guilty of having thousands of muses that I've not acted on. So shame on me. So don't do that. Act on your muses and uh, uh, it can bring a lot of joy and, and you know, you, you create something that no one else has done. It's, it's, it's kind of, kind of fun, you know? I love, I love hearing that. Yeah. It's different. It's different now with technology because I do pull out the iPhone now as soon as something hits me in the head and I, and I record it uh, immediately. So I'll just, I have, tracks and tracks and tracks all unlabeled because i'm an unorganized mess that it, that are all going do 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 that's the newest one right do 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 i really made sure to stick that because it with the harmony on top of that it's going to be sexy as shit i tell you you should have been a jingle guy for the commercials because then you just felt those out you know i love I love jingles. I lo- like so so rock and roll. I always want to be. I always want to be cool, and I'm so worried that the song's not going to have the respect of like real musicians. It was always a thing. My sister always burned it into my head because she went to school for music. They're like, oh yeah, they they stuck me with a with a vocal major. Great, you know. <laughs> and it's like they. I know. I just knew the hierarchy of it. So I always wanted to be. I never wanted to be Oasis. Once I figured out that that's not cool to real players, <laughs> right. you know. So I. I, I yeah, uh, yeah, and leave it and leave it to a, a sibling to uh, you know knock you down a few pegs. Oh just my to put god! You in your place. <laughs> I I have outtakes from when we were. She was fourteen and I was ten, and we were trying to record stuff. The fights and the language that the ten year old version of me. I some of these words. I'm I'm amazed. <laughs> amazed they came out of my innocent little mouth. So I'd like I'd like to segue because because I've seen you in in a lot of different places. Uh, uh, let's talk about you know some of the places that that you you played recently. What you like, you know? Sure. What's your what's your favorite type of place to play? What excites you? Uh, a place where where they know that there's going to be music there, but mm-hmm. they're not expecting top forty jukebox music. That would be my favorite. I don't. You really are probably going to be hard pressed to to get me to play. Sweet Home Alabama, or right. uh, I, I, I that that because I I'm such a uh, yeah a, a contrarian. I will probably play Freebird in its entirety if somebody makes the joke. And I also <laughs> I have a horrible joke that I say every time when somebody says Freebird. I go, "That's good. Did did you just think of that? That's hilarious. That song's really long." And and they so, I I just love because they have no idea what's happening. They just look around like a like a. <laughs> He doesn't know. Well, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you a quick story. So we were in Nashville in September, went down with uh, uh, three other couples and had a great time. And, you know, the, the musicians everywhere and they're playing for peanuts and they were really cool. They would say, OK, uh, you know, five dollars for a, uh, a request and twenty dollars not to play a particular song, you know, and, yep. and, and they'd run around with the bucket, man. They were not shy. They were they were starving. So um I, I remember uh, two places that I saw. We got to plug these guys because one, the food's great, the guy's great, 
uh, he fits into that um, definition of a venue owner who appreciates good live and consistent mm. live music. They don't look at you as a, like the meat vendor and, hey, I'm going to have uh, sausage patties this week. Right. Um, and that's uh, JT's uh, different yep. restaurants. So, yes. so, yeah, you know him better than I. So fill me Justin. in. Justin. Yeah. Justin Templeman, J, uh, that a, a.k.a. JT, is this little hippy-dippy dude that doesn't age. I know he's I know he's in his 50s now, but he looks like he's in his 30s. Oh, he's a kid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but he and, I, he and I just hit it off, um, and he let me come down and play. And he's, he's so supportive and so happy. And we had the, common, the commonality of, of we both enjoyed Dave Matthews, so we could talk about that forever. Nice. So right. that was a great way to do it, like an organic thing. You know, I'm not really good at at faking, fake, you know, like I've, it, there are certain people that, that I just don't connect with, and, and that's just the way it is. And I'm not going to force right. it because that just that desperation is just sad, <laughs> you know, when, it, when it's not making sense. Yeah, it's, it's, and it's phony. Yeah, walk away. It's not happening. You don't go, you know, I'm not a big uh, sports guy, so if if you come up to me and you know, what's your favorite team? I'm not going to be like, oh, geez. And I look at his Yankee hat and go, huh, hell of a season, you know, or whatever. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you that. That guy on the left, the third base, yeah, that one. That's, that's called uh, what I call being sports agnostic, and uh, yeah. I, so I celebrate it. <laughs> but Ju- Justin and I had an organic friendship, and he, and he supported it, still supports live music. And uh, what, what's so great about him is he set up this venue where people know you're going to be there, you can add to their night without monopolizing it because you never want to be the loud guy. I never want you to tell me to turn down. So I'll always start way too low because if you tell me to turn up, it's going good. That's, that's a confidence booster. But oh, the, good. Yeah, yeah. Good, good approach. Yeah, the last thing you want, everybody, the people don't get it. They want to be heard. They took their lessons. They practice. This is their big gig. They, they really don't understand the difference between playing on a stage or playing in a restaurant. And people really need to understand right. the difference. You're there to add to somebody's night. You're not there to monopolize it, period. You're, you're there. If, if they can have True. their food and laugh and have a romantic evening, if that's what they came for, have a happy 80th birthday grandma thing, and they can talk. And then if grandma hears a song from 1943 that I'm playing and goes, I love that song, then I'm doing my job. <laughs> that's the idea. And everybody can turn it, and go, what's, ah. What's it? What's interesting is if you look at, you know, the pub and a good restaurant, you know, it's atmosphere, but it's also that really welcoming uh, personality. And I'm talking about the venue owner. Mm-hmm. You know, we've been to restaurants where the food is great and, you know, the guy, you know, the guy or the gal and you go, wow, I can't believe they they deal with the public because they're horrible. You know, they don't know how to work it. And yet when you can connect with somebody who, you know, it's in sales, we call it the warm up. You know, it's just yeah. people want to want to be your cheerleader, and and you you know your place. You're not coming in as a prima donna saying, "Okay, I'm here, yeah. and I'm going to play what I want to play, and you people better listen." And hey, yo, the tip cup's right here. You know, yeah. Right oh here, right boy, here, the, you know? Worst. Oh, the worst. Ah, the worst. The yeah. worst. Well, are you guys going to clap it's, or it's what? <laughs> you know, that's that. Hello, is guys... there anybody out there? Yeah. yeah hey, you guys going <laughs> to clap? No, shut up. So, 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 to summarize, JT, he's got three different places, right? He's got mm-hmm. JT's on the bay. 
He's got the uh, the farmhouse out in uh, the old Gray Horse Tavern, which has been around since my dad was a kid. That's in Bayport. Bayport. Right. And where's the other one that's right at the end of um, Montauk Highway and Nichols right there? Uh, that would yeah. be the cafe. I yep, was yep. there last Saturday. It's one of my favorite places and you'd never expect it because it makes no sense that it, it is so much fun and so cool. <laughs> and it just is. Yeah. And the, one of the best one of the best brunches that I've ever been to in my life. Nice. You know, yeah. so, yeah. so you I support you, their chicken you, you and waffles. Played, you've played. <laughs> so you play you play you've done weddings you've you've uh, yeah i work with a know, dj you've, company you've now so he's... yeah i'm okay. very lucky i, I have Sorry. a dj company that's uh so i'm trying now to not for when i first started i was so happy to make any money doing this i couldn't believe it you know because i was always told it was a hobby it was a hobby and then i started meeting guys that were doing this full time and you know mm. you realize like wow a lot of this is not taxable income and Oh my goodness! Like we're pulling in decent money, and you you were just appreciating, like this money. You're you just said, like... so since this is on the internet, this is sure. just an example. This is not what really happened to you. Uh, it's, I said some of it was not. Books. Of course, I claimed yeah. <laughs> it anyway, just to be safe. You know, I, of course, I love okay. Uncle Sam. Yeah. <laughs> so so th- that's that's what's so fantastic about. It. I started making good money, and I started to become addicted to making the money. And so I would just say yes to every gig and figure out how I was going to do mm. it. If there was two four-hour gigs in one day, I would just do it. And the problem with not being a great guitar wow. player is you're looping. You could, if you were a very good guitar player, you could do that a lot easier because you could you could solo for half of those. You know, for two hours out of the four-hour gig, you could just stretch a song, add an extra minute or two to each song of noodling and people you know don't even know well you're a fine you're a, you're a fine guitar player don't sell yourself short, i appreciate really. it you, you, you do I, i've you, heard worse you, you i've heard really a lot well. better <laughs> yeah. hey hey you mentioned a guy named uh, dan donnelly right yeah uh, that's my boy jt's i think he's connected to everybody tell me about dan dan we call him the don <laughs> dan the don donnelly this is the guy that taught me how to do this business uh, correctly because it, it is really? there is a business side to it, and he's the one that I, I worked with a person initially that that said, "All right, oh they like you in in my room," uh, which he was referring to a restaurant. He called it his room. That's a bit of an issue. Mm-hmm. He goes, "They they like you in this <laughs> in, in my room, but you uh, if you're going to book anything, you got to book it through me first. Make you know I I eat first and then you eat because I got you in here." Okay, and then I met oh, Dan, wow. who's just like, hey, there's plenty of work for all of us. Like, I don't know why everybody's, like, going, you know, going after each other's throats, at each other's throats, fighting. If if it's a good fit, you don't have to fight for it. You you just show up and do your job. You you show up, do what you do. If they like it, they'll, they'll hire you back, and that's it. That's how it should work. Yeah, you know, it's what, hey, just like any, where there's an exchange of money, there's always that ugly underbelly of the music business where uh you know it's it's you know, people get taken advantage of and it's unfortunate you know so. yeah hey listen i want to i want to uh just take another quick break yeah and uh we're going to do one of the cover songs that you did which uh considering that we're uh i'm really hopeful that we're at the end of uh covid here and and uh yes, sir. you know we're going to hear a lot of live music this uh the song we hear after the break is is very apropos. So uh, hang on, we'll be right back. This is Steve Yusko from GigDestiny.com. We're the bridge between musicians and live venues. 
Come check us out. We're here to help you. Be well. Welcome back. I'm Steve from GigDestiny.com. We're here with Eric McCormick, and we're about to play one of the songs that really features uh, something exciting uh, that Eric does in his uh, performances, and that's uh, the way you layer and use a looper to layer um, not only uh, a rhythm guitar, but a bunch of other things. Kind of explain to us one, I think you're a master at it because oh, I tried it amazing. a couple of times, and I'm like, this, <laughs> this, this, this is timing is everything. And man, if you you have to have the timing down to do looping. So explain it to our audience. Uh, at, and the song we're about to hear uh, really is a great example of it. So fill us in. How did you, how did you come across it? You know, and and I don't yep. know, start talking. <laughs> yes, yes. So uh, I when I was a when I was a kid, my sister, the piano player, got herself a Korg M1 when it was like brand new. That had an eight track sequencer in it. So I started to because I'm not great at piano, but um, I get the job done. I started to realize that you could lay down one piece of a really intricate chord progression at a time, two you know maybe two notes at a time, and then you put it all together, and it sounds like you're the greatest piano player of all time. <laughs> you know, it sounds <laughs> so. That was that was what I was going for. Um, that and I would always play every time you'd record. It would have a click on it, which is the the metronome. Right. So you'd get that pulse. Sure. I mean, some people go nuts listening to the metronome. It's kind of like my. I always kind of have it going in my crazy head. So when it came time to do looping and mm. stuff, it kind of, it makes a lot of sense. I, I developed pretty decent rhythm with that, and uh, I I just felt the necessity to to start looping stuff. I would see people loop and it would always be the same thing where it's, they'd lay down the acoustic guitar, then they'd solo on top of it. Then the, it would go to the B section of the song and they would just stop the loop. A huge wall of sound would drop off because they, they layered up the first chunk. Then you can't layer it unless you have a really nice looper, which I luckily have now. But, but I at, mm-hmm. like arrangement, speaking of arrangements, that's not, that doesn't sound good. I, I, I know it's, it's very cool that you nailed that first part, but you've got to be able to make the song flow. So you have options. You can either have a song oh, yeah. that doesn't change chord progressions. You know what I mean? Because then, then you can, like with or without, use sure. a good example. Great song to loop. You can really build it, just steadily builds, 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 builds layers. Um, and the one that I gave you is Don't Worry, Be Happy, which never changes um, chord progressions. So you can lay down the different tracks. It's fantastic. Um, so that's, that really, I think Don't Worry, Be Happy was my first go at it. And you know what's, you know what's interesting is not only did you do the, the layering of like, you'll put a, uh, you'll tap your guitar and get a rhythm on that, a percussion sound mm. and, and the rhythm and that. But what, what kind of surprised me, you know, I'm, I'm there having a beer, you know, talking to my wife and, and uh, you're playing one song and then all of a sudden, with the same chord progression and the same looping, you've, you've just segued into something else, uh, hey. which, which is, which is neat. And then you cut, co- and then you come back again, right? You know, well, it's, it's all right. So that, that's kind of a nice too, bookend. I'm going to pull back the curtain on this. All right. So this is not me oh, being okay. modest. All right. This is, this is just the truth on this. So one, there's only so many chords Two, most pop music is the most rudimentary version of that. You know what I mean? You could, you could pretty much break down, 
beautiful classical music into simple chord progressions. Like Canon and D and Basket Case by Green Day are similar enough where you could probably go over Green Day's song. Do you have that time? It's pretty it's pretty much the same thing. There's one time you have to adjust it a little. But you so you start to hear like similarities in songs and you realize, holy smokes, I can sing this this melody over this or or anything that kind of has that, you know, like do 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 like walk on the wild right, side. Right. That uh, all that stuff has that. Sure, but Louis. you say that I, yeah, my segue stuff. That is my self preservation. That is that is me, because if I don't give you a chance to clap, that was my choice. <laughs> you understand? If I make every song bleed <laughs> into each song, you didn't clap because I didn't want you to clap. Not because you don't give a <laughs> shit. <laughs> so in well, my head, it also full control it, it, of the audience, right? It, it's it's my choice, and uh, it. What's really really cool about that is you can get the most polished set. Like when I feel like phoning in a forty five minute set, when I know or a cocktail hour. When I do a cocktail hour, I I have my right. cocktail hour. Don't come talk to me. I won't give you time because everything just ties into the next one. All the loops. Do, if I'm resetting something like this, I've got wow. something else looping over here so that – and everything's live because I'm not a fan of the people that play with the tracks. But whatever. Do your thing. I'm not going to knock it. Whatever. I kind of knocked it right there a little bit. But, but like, you got to do it live. You got to do it live. So um, You got to do it live. Like Bill O'Reilly cool. said, we'll do it live. Um, so, yeah. So that was that's the truth behind how that started. That was my own insecurities, like fighting and figuring out a way – that if I finished the song and I had that Marty McFly moment, you know, right after he played Johnny Be Good, and right, I, right, right. and I look and everybody's just eating their meal, and I just sang probably the greatest version of a song that I'm capable of singing, you know, I nailed it. I'm so proud of myself, and I Marty McFly to the audience, and nobody gives a shit that I just did that. That's <laughs> that was painful. Yeah. Well, on that note, no pun intended. <laughs> Oh, uh, oh, and this, you know what? Sorry to cut you group. off. I have oh, to cut ahead. you off. No, that's all right. This that's also because right. it's, it's <laughs> Eric McCormick's show. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, but the it also is a self defense mechanism because not only does it does it keep keep the clapping in under my control, but also I am not. I don't like when people come up to me when I've got sets and songs that I've worked on and polished and figured out stuff. And they go, hey, buddy, you do sweet Caroline? Hey, buddy, hey, buddy. You know what those people are yeah, called, yeah. the ones that talk, that talk to you while you're playing? Do you want to know what they're called? My mother-in-law. <laughs> well, the strangers. The, anyway. the strangers that come up to you when you're <laughs> mid-loop or mid-something. You're literally singing a song and somebody's talking to you. And I also play with ear, any of oh my monitors, so I, I can't hear you. We call them ask holes. <laughs> yeah, because they come up and they start talking to you. And all I see is. And so I just try and point to my ear. But uh, so I, I also made the songs go into one another because there's these people. Drunk people tend to come up to you and start talking to you. And, and want to engage. You questions. Yeah. And, uh, bro, I love the way you did the. How did you do the thing? I, I'm still doing it. Please. Like, I, thank you. You're amazing. <laughs> You know what I mean? Or I don't like you. My friends don't like you either. You know, that that stuff happens too. <laughs> anyway, that I was so just gonna say switching gears. Yeah, let's talk. <laughs> let's talk. 
<laughs> so, so we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna jump into a fine example of uh, Eric's looping ability without interruption. So, uh, From let's me. listen to <laughs> "Be Happy." Oh, 
Welcome back. This is Steve Yusko from GigDestiny.com, and this is the Long Island Sound Podcast. We're here with Eric McCormick. Eric, I want to ask, by the way, the song is great. Uh, I'm sure we learned, uh, our audience learned a lot about um, really the art of layering. It's just really beautiful. It's cool. So with all your experience, what kind of advice would you give to the artist that's going out and starting to do live gigs, just live solo gigs? What what advice would you give that person? Uh, if you're just starting out, take every gig offered. Um, you gotta, you gotta pay your dues. Sh- play those bars where they're gonna be wasted mm-hmm. and and telling you you're the worst thing they've ever heard, no matter what. Because if somebody comes up to you and says, you know, uh, yeah, do you know Neil Young? And you say, I don't really like Neil Young. They go, well, then you're dead to me, and I'm probably gonna follow you to your car. <laughs> but, but just take every gig you can get. Never, ever, ever, ever. Just you show up there and you act happy to be there and be be happy with where you're at. You can the the attitude that people develop. It's amazing because it's a microcosm of what success is when people do well in this. It is not this is not real success. If you if you hit it big in the Long Island music scene, you're still you're known in the Long Island music scene. You know what I mean? It's you're not. You're not this gigantic right. star, and you should probably act accordingly no matter what. And you'll notice a pattern. Like, most of the biggest stars out there know how to behave. And uh, so bossing around the staff will probably get you kicked out of that venue eventually. Being too loud and not turning down will get you kicked out. Just res- it's, it's about respect. It's about respect. Yep. And, and read your I, audience. I tell you my, That's another one. Yeah, my, my friend Mike. My friend Mike Nugent said, uh, you know, he goes and he's a very happy guy. And he goes, you know, no matter the circumstances of, you know, difficulty setting up because there may be a patron in the way where you're supposed to be setting up for seeing the worst, he'll just look up and say, hey, yeah, well, that happens. Right. And he'll say, hey, we're here to make friends and and, you know, don't let it bother you, you know, because you do have to have your game face on. And and, you know, if you go with that attitude, I'm here to make friends and entertain uh, hopefully that'll carry you through the the rough patches, you know. It's, so it's, it's um, there. It's well said. I like that. He's he's yeah. he's a smart guy. I listened to that one uh, today. Actually, he's he's pretty fantastic. I really liked him. Oh, I'd like to meet him. Thanks. I'll pass yeah. it along to him. Yeah, please. Uh, yeah, we'll we'll introduce you for sure. I mean, that's what it, that's what that's what the Long Island Sound is about. Honestly, yeah, man, is, is getting to talk to great guys like you and and making the the cross introductions because uh, we'll all be better for it. Hey, Eric. I really want to thank you. I'm, I'm being sincere about this. I really want to thank you for your time. There are things that we can do. We can always account for what's in the bank, what we own, and what we can never account for is how much time we have. So when somebody gives me their time, I feel very blessed. So I, I really appreciate that. And uh, I look forward to uh, seeing you play out there again. Yes, sir. Uh, so, uh, you know, as things clear up. And uh, I'll, I'll crash the weddings that you do like we do, you know, yeah. for the free hors d'oeuvres and the free cocktails. <laughs> Oh, he didn't tell you that. Anyway, <laughs> my sound guy's here. Yeah, yeah my sound guy. Oh, oh so <laughs> b- b- before we go, for those interested in, in contacting Eric, it's E-R-I-K, Eric McCormack Music yeah. at gmail.com. Right. And, um, or or Instagram. Wanna... I'm on Instagram. I, I've been using that a lot more than my Facebook these days. Uh, you can still hit me up on Facebook. I check it occasionally, but that would be Eric McCormack Music, E-R-I-K-M-C-C-O-R-M-A-C-K, uh, Music, M-U, 
S I C at okay yeah that's my favorite. All right, have have another Corona. Sure, yeah, I would good. love to. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> yeah, sounds great. Again, so until next time, thanks everybody. Be well. Thank you for joining us today. I appreciate the time you spent with us. Please subscribe and comment and visit us at gigdestiny.com. Till next time, be generous with your joy, keep your spirits high, and let the music take you on a journey. Be well. Peace. Thanks so much for listening. Please rate, review, and comment on the show. We really love to hear from you. And call our listener line at 631-800-3579. Again, thanks so much. Be well.